I parked on Long Beach Avenue near the corner of East 57th. It made for almost the same distance to the barricade as my usual parking spot, but it brought me into the zone by a different route. I had no particular reason to think I was being watched or followed, but shifting my routine suddenly felt like a good idea. My stint in the army taught me two things. A nearly instinctive hatred of the lifeless shade of green that the army calls olive drab, and that I should always trust my impulses, especially the ones with no discernible basis in rational thought. According to one of the basic theories of soldiering, a sudden irrational hunch is your subconscious mind's attempt to warn you about some emerging situation that your conscious brain hasn't clued into yet. My platoon sergeant had been full of stories about soldiers who had obeyed their split-second impulses and walked away from deadly peril with life and limb intact. The private, who had followed a sudden urge to veer toward the right side of a path, narrowly avoiding a cluster of anti-personnel mines. The corporal, whose instinctive decision to dive for cover in an apparently threat-free situation had saved her squad from a lethal encounter with a charged particle weapon. Army lore held at least a hundred variations of these stories, all purported to be no-shitters, the soldier's equivalent of cross my heart. I resisted the temptation to glance over my shoulder. Was the sudden urge to shift my routines a sign that my subconscious was picking up on some detail that I had missed? Or had I just been spooked by Thurman's theatrical warning? I had no way of knowing which, in a nutshell, was the central problem with the Army's theory. If you followed an impulse and nothing bad happened afterward, how could you tell if your instinct had been correct? Had you just narrowly averted some unknown disaster, or had there been no pending disaster at all? I shook my head a few times to chase away the heebie-jeebies. It helped a little. I pulled around in my pocket for a Marlboro, lit it, and inhaled it deeply. That helped a little, too. On the other side of the barricade, I shifted my plan again. I had been headed for home to check my messages and grab a sandwich. Instead, I made an unplanned detour onto Santa Fe Avenue. At 2.30 in the afternoon, the strip was a ghost town. About a million candle powers worth of sunlight poured down through the dome, revealing every crack in the old sidewalks and every crumbling brick in every decaying building. An LAPD tactical hover unit cruised the other side of the street at a speed barely faster than a walk. The backwash from its blowers spun off knee-high tornadoes of dirt and litter. The car was one of the new Falkwolf Marauders, sleek, dangerous-looking under its smoothly overlapping plates of compressed plastic armor. The driver and his partner were nearly invisible under their own body armor and tactical equipment. A row of shallow bullet craters pocked the passenger side door. Someone had tested their armor for them. Judging by the spacing and the depth of the craters, it had most likely been some type of automatic weapon with limited armor-piercing capabilities. The cops watched me as they cruised slowly past. I couldn't see their faces, but their helmets turned to follow me, a non-too-subtle reminder that they were the kings of this trash heap, and they were watching everything. The zone was their turf and they held every square centimeter of it in their carbon-armored fists. I took a drag off the Marlboro and blew a cloud of smoke. I had to stifle a smile. In a few hours, when the sun began to sink into the west, the zone would come to life.